Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast exists to inspire and encourage your heart-centered leadership. Each week, I share interviews with some of the greatest heart-centered leaders in the world. And I hope that our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. Please visit abty.co.uk if you would like us in your corner. These interview sessions are brought to you by Matt Media Online Marketing, an independent agency who specialize in content marketing, helping business owners get their message seen by the right audience. If you want to get your business seen through the power of social media, head to mattmedia.online. After today's interview, Team Hartley will be on a two-week break. We will be on holiday or a vacation, depending on where you are in the world. So there will be no interview sessions for a couple of weeks. That gives you the perfect opportunity to catch up with some previous episodes that you may have missed. And I just want to take one moment just to thank you for being part of this community. Thank you for coming back to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, listening to the incredible guests that I share space and time with. And I hope that it leaves you better in some way. And if this is the first time, if this episode is the first interview session that you hear, I hope that it encourages you to stick around and maybe check out some of our previous guests. You can check out one of the previous 227 guests by looking through the podcasts or searching through the playlist on YouTube. On episode 228, I am joined by Dr. Dane here. Dr. Dane is the co-creator of Access Consciousness and he is the author of 15 books. He's written books on the topics of embodiment, healing, men, money, and relationships, along with two children's books. And his book, Being You, Changing the World, is a number one bestseller and has been published in more than 15 different languages. We have an incredible conversation around consciousness, energy, what it means to be a man, and the power of possibility. It's an incredible conversation, one that I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. I hope that there's something that you hear in the next hour's conversation that just sparks a a one degree of new possibilities for you. It's episode 228 and it's with Dr. Dane here. Dr. Dane, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. How are you, brother? Oh, my brother, I'm great. How about you? Very well. I was prepping for this interview. I was like, I wonder what fabulous shirt he's going to be wearing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm wearing this shirt because I learned long ago from a good friend of mine, when you're having one of those days where you don't want them to look at your face, wear wear a bright shirt. So it's one of those days. You've been doing that so well throughout your whole career. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. I'm like, don't look at the face. Look at the shirt, man. (laughs) I love that. Here we are. We we sit here having a conversation. You are the co-founder of an organization called Access Consciousness. And yet, I know you grew up in a in an LA ghetto, a ghetto in Los Angeles. And yeah, there's a, I, I know enough about consciousness to know that uh, many people don't escape their circumstances. Like, how did you escape and transcend that level of consciousness? Well, what's interesting is even when I was getting beaten, literally, I always there was always something in the back of my head where I'm like, it doesn't have to be this way, mm. and. I I think that in a sense was my saving grace because what it meant was I always kept looking for if this is occurring and it sucks, well, what else and how do I find it? Mm -hmm. And so at about, I guess, 20 something, I started a spiritual search and, uh, you know, studied because prior to that, I was reading books on self-help, personal growth, you know, metaphysics, all that sort of stuff. And I started having some different experiences that opened my eyes to the awareness that what I thought was real is not necessarily real. And so I kept exploring that and fast forward to a point where I chose to become a chiropractor because I knew some of these amazing healers that were creating these miracles in people's lives. I'm like, I want to do that. And here I am, I've graduated from chiropractic school. I'm going to weekend workshops for personal development and chiropractic magic, you know, ways of changing things. And the number of times where I felt like I had finally found the answer to the happiness I was looking for at the end of, by the end of a workshop, and then having it all crash back down on my head again by Wednesday of the following week was just, this happened more times than I could count. 
And so there was one day where this exact thing happened. I went to a weekend workshop. I'm like, yay, happiness. I'm going to have it this time. I'm going to keep it this time. And by Wednesday, everything felt like it was back even more so. And that was where I said, you know what, universe, either my life changes or I'm out of here. You have six months. I literally set a date and had a plan and was like, and, and that, <laughs> that gave me a sense of peace. And what's interesting is I was 30 years old at the time. And that was the first time in my life I had truly given up hope. Always before that, I was like, I know there's something different. I just need to find it. I know there's something different. I just need to find it. And yes, there are ups. Yes, there are downs, but I'm going to find it. And I finally went, you know what? Apparently, I'm not going to find it. I've done everything I possibly can. So um, a week later, I came across an ad for Access Consciousness. And it said, all of life comes to me with ease and joy and glory. And I was furious, you know, but I learned long before, if you love something or hate it, there's something there for you. And I hated it so much that I called the lady. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what do you do? You know, and she talks to me and, and she, it was like a happy marshmallow on the other end of the phone. And I was like, well, this is different. She's not trying to sell me anything. Okay, I'm more interested. Yeah. Anyway, I had a session. I went into it depressed and suicidal, angry at my life, angry at the universe. And an hour and 15 minutes later, I came out with a sense of gratitude for being alive yeah. in a space that was unlike anything I had ever experienced. Mm. It was like, it was total peace with everything. Mm. And, uh, and that gave me hope to a degree that, because I always knew the change should be able to be fast, yeah. but I'd never seen anything do it that fast. And what she did is she gave me a tool to use. We got together once a week. She gave me a tool to use for when the universe wanted to crash in on my head. Mm -hmm. And I would use this tool and I would go back to that space. And then I get back with her the next week. We do another session. And that space that I had that was sort of keeping itself, which was awesome, expanded into even more. Mm -hmm. And she'd give me a tool to use. And when it wanted to cave back in on my head, it would expand. And after a couple of weeks, I was like, I was living the life that I wanted to. And what I mean by that for me, it wasn't about the money that I had. It wasn't about the things that people think are going to make you happy. It was having a sense of me being okay, having a sense of joy and having a sense that if I want to change something or choose something, I actually can. And so that was the long story perhaps, but that's, that was sort of the evolution of getting to the point where I'm like, wow, this what I always knew was possible actually is. And then I started working with access because it was the one thing that was creating the literal miracles that I always knew should be possible. And I'm like, I'm, I'm in, man. Let's go. And that was 23 years ago. Hey, my friends. Thank you for listening to the interview so far. We are six. Yes, Always Better Than Yesterday has been in existence for six whole years. And as a thank you for being part of this community, I'm going to give you a special offer. We don't usually do special offers and discounts around here because we offer so much for free. But on this occasion, I want to offer you six sessions for the price of three. I can help you connect with your heart set. I can help you bring more of your heart work to the world and I can help you leave more of a heart print on those around you. It's six sessions for the price of three. You have until the 30th of June to claim this offer. And one final thank you for being here. We are six. Here's to the next six years of Always Better Than Yesterday. We hope that you being part of our community leaves you better for those who need you. It's six sessions for the price of three. You can claim this offer by DMing us at Always Better Than Yesterday UK on Instagram. Email us podcast at abty.co.uk. And here we go. Back to the interview. Thank you for being here, friends. Yeah, that's powerful. That's really powerful. And, and, and I am. Um, it, it's funny because I. It, I interviewed um, Dr. John Amaro. I'm not sure if you know Dr. John, but I interviewed him a couple of years back and, and he was doing all this kind of, I saw him on the Goop Lab documentary. I saw him doing some crazy kind of energy healing stuff above the body. Yeah. People would come talk and I was like, what is he doing? But I, I didn't realize in his early days, he was a, it was a chiropractor. And, I, and I've come to learn that, um, that, you know, whether it be because of the Rockefeller type stuff in the US with the, the, uh, the raising of the medical doctor and, and you know, all the holistic approaches, shall we say, have been cuckooed. I didn't realize how much of a spiritual element there was to being, you know, chiropractor being 
looking at the body being a channel for spirit, God, universe, consciousness itself, is that something that you were aware of whilst you were in your chiropractic circles? In, in a sense, yes, because the people that I hung out with, you know, chiropractic, from my point of view, sort of, for me, at least was sort of a, a gateway drug to other possibilities, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and I love it. I mean, it's, in that sense, and if you go back to the original chiropractors, they had this concept of from above, down, inside out, mm -hmm. which is we're not doing any healing. We're just setting free mm -hmm. what is already your innate healing capacity, you know, and they call it innate intelligence. And I friggin' love it. And for me, I would call it consciousness, mm -hmm. which doesn't just go from God or source or whatever it is to you and through you. It's you. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And you know, the way I, the way they talked about it was, you know, there's a blockage in energy or blockage in life force or whatever you want to call it that creates the limitation. Mm -hmm. And I think we could all understand or relate to that, you know, especially at this time in the world. And what I would say is the only time we ever create a difficulty that would lead to something like that is when we function from unconsciousness, which is unawareness or anti-consciousness, which is where we choose against our awareness. You know, how many times have you known, turn right, turn right. And you're like, no, the GPS says left. And you get stuck in traffic for two and a half hours. It's like, the universe is like, um, I told you, you just think you're smarter than I am, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. yeah I, and um, so I have a, a Christian frame of reference and, and for some of the, these concepts and um, uh, Jesus was once quoted as saying, those with ears, let them hear. And I think that kind of, it alludes to this idea that we first have to be open to the possibilities to begin with this this sense that um we have to have a some form of belief and i'm really interested that you know you you in you you in the moments of of the abuse you had a, a had an almost like a knowing that things could be because many people take the opposite which is this oh well i deserved it you know this this victimhood yeah. mentality can you characterize why you didn't have that? Do you, do you have you reflected back? Do you know why there was just knowing that you were destined for more and that it didn't need to be that way? I think we, to a certain extent, we're wired the way we're wired. And my sense is from a larger perspective, we come here knowing at least vaguely what we're here to do and be, especially if that's to be a contribution to other people. And and the life experiences that we have are, in a sense, from my point of view, at least, and feel free to disagree with me, but is it's like on the job training. It looks like one thing, and yet it may be something much larger. But once again, in order to even go there, you got to expand your perspective, which you know, and I got to say, I love Jesus. I just, just got to say, I love Jesus, you know, and, and that, the thing, one of the things Jesus said was you will perform far greater works than I, mm -hmm. you know, and everybody's like, no, Jesus, it's all about you. And it's like, Jesus is like, asshole. I came here to show you what you're <laughs> capable of. Yeah. And now what have you done? You've turned it 180 degrees. So, oh man, I can only imagine Jesus rolling in his well, I guess he's probably not in the grave anymore, that whole Easter <laughs> thing, but you know yeah. what I mean, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it's and, just face palming. He's face Yeah, palming. totally. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And yeah. you know, the the thing is the we have a definition of consciousness and access consciousness, which is where everything exists and nothing is judged. Yeah. And we live in a world that tries to separate into categories of right and wrong, good and bad, black and white keep this close, separate from this. And it's one of the biggest things that is killing us in, in our own lives, but also worldwide creating the separation that doesn't have to be there. You know, and there's so many people that look at what is being created from that idea of polarization and separation who know it doesn't have to be that way. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a quick moment to introduce the new official sponsor of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, Matt Media Online Marketing. Matt Media have been involved in the production of over 100 interview sessions. I highly recommend their services. Matt Media Online Marketing are an independent agency who specialize in content marketing, helping business owners get their message seen by the right audience. 
If you want your business seen through the power of social media, head to mapmedia.online. You can find the link in the show notes. And here we go. Back to the interview. Yeah, one of the things, I mean, I came to the church quite late, only in the last three to four years. To, and I had a kind of Jesus experience in my in my 30s. But um, one of the things that I feel like I have the freedom of is that I get to kind of learn, you know, from good people like yourself, Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, uh, the Heart Math Institute. And, and I think for me, it all points towards source, God, universe, however people want to identify. And, 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 and it's really interesting then when people interpret faith or religion through their own level of consciousness, because if, because a lot of society is characterized by pride, right? This degree of righteousness there, I am right. And therefore there is a positionality about it. Um, whereas my perspective of one if when I do come to the words of Jesus, I, I, I see a playbook of how to love people, how to love myself and how to love people. I don't see a right and wrong. I, I see I have access to grace. I have access to love, peace and joy. If ever I choose to plant myself long enough to, to have access to those things. And I know that the fruits of my spirit become infinitely better when I spend time in that presence. Um, it's, it's... I love you. <laughs> I love you. I That exactly. Thank you. I'm just grateful for all the words you just spoke. Well, I appreciate that. And, and one of the things that um, you put in a, in a recent blog post was this idea that it's not about the kingdom of me, but the kingdom of we. That. And I think that when we can tap into our consciousness, that becomes a, a natural byproduct, right? It's, it's understanding that I'm good. I've got all that I need. I lack nothing. And so I can come and be of, of service. And, and I know that this is a really important part of your message with your, your book that you released last year. Yeah, that is, you know, when we're, it's very difficult to be a contribution to others when you feel like your own batteries are run down and you have so many needs. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the perspective of us as beings, the beings that we are beyond the mind and not excluding the mind, but not making it the source, it's like an infinite being would not have needs. And yet it's, and, and so one of the things I see is there are a lot of fundamental lies that run our world as yeah. though they're truths. And that, from my sense, is what sticks us more than anything else. And one of the, one of the tools I first got when I started on this excess consciousness journey was what's true for you makes you lighter. A lie makes you heavier. Mm. And I was with that for a bit. And then for one day, I just tried it for one day. I was like, okay, does this make me lighter or heavier? Like when somebody would say something, when I would read something. And back in that day, it wasn't when you get on the internet for 12 hours to avoid your life. It wasn't <laughs> that, you know, so there wasn't that level of intense input in that way. But for everything that I heard and everything somebody said, I just noticed in my world, does that make me lighter or heavier? Yeah. And after just a few hours of doing that, I started recognizing how many times somebody would come at me with their point of view. And I'm like, oh, that's not making me lighter. Mm -hmm. And I would notice then somebody would come to me and ask me a question. And I noticed, wow, that makes me a lot lighter. And I started, I started recognizing this framework in which, in which we have live, we live in a world with so many things that are quote unquote heavy, so many things that are not true for us as beings and those are the things that we focus on as though if we can make those true then we'll finally have a life of ease and joy and lightness and and all the things that we would like and what i found is it's actually the opposite once you acknowledge that the things that are heavy are simply a lie for you and it may not be a lie for the person sitting next to you who knows what their life experience has been that's their life not yours but for you if you start focusing on the things that make you lighter and when you're going down a rabbit hole online, for example, of heaviness and twisted and ugh, just move on, you know, press the back button or the forward button, but get the heck out of there. Go to something and, and ask yourself, hey, what, what would make me lighter right now? I just took a deep dive into a cesspool of somebody else's making. Mm -hmm. What would make me lighter right now? Mm -hmm. And if we did nothing else in our own world other than that and just allowed ourselves to be that present yeah. because that's the other part of that all of this engenders is more presence 
and less separation, less um, need of being distracted. If we did nothing else other than head towards what toward what makes us lighter, what starts to occur is over time, after a day, after a week, after a month, I mean, you do that for a month, it's like your whole life looks different and much more like something you like living. Yeah, you've got a real heart for change, making people feel that change um, is possible. And, and I guess what's the opposite of that? Why do you think people stay where they are? Why do you think people you know, don't entertain that level of change? Oh, I think there are a lot of reasons. You know, what I found is about 50% of the population is change averse mm -hmm. and about 50% is change seeking. Mm -hmm. And if you recognize that without a judgment, then the people that are change averse, you know, I've worked with so many of them, they have their reasons, yeah. but I'd say the fundamental reason is they would rather have the suffering they know <laughs> yeah, yeah. than the possibility they don't. Yeah. In other words, and, and this is an interesting concept because I've worked with tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people at this point, you know, in the last 23 years. And it's interesting to realize that most people that are avoiding change do it because they have a predictable reality yeah. in the current reality they have. And they are assuming they're taking a point of view yeah. that what could happen. Yeah, sure. Could be better, but it's probably going to be worse. So I'm just not going to go there. The illusion of safety. Yeah, that the yeah. delusion of safety. <laughs> <laughs> I um I come from an organizational development background in leadership space. And, um, you know, I think a lot of the project management people talk about, oh, you know, set out your vision for change, you know, be, be inspiring, set out your vision for change. And, and I think sometimes actually what's also as compelling is find out why people want to stay the same. Because yes. there's, you know, there's a. I've come to conclude that I don't think people would necessarily fear change. They just fight for things to stay the same. And I think that's just exactly what you've articulated, which is just better the devil I know. <laughs> yes, and it's it's interesting, and it's interesting to work with so many people who initially resisted change, and then see one of the one of the interesting things in working with people is the awareness of how energetically aware people are mm -hmm. and to such a degree like, we actually have a tool in access which is who does this belong to mm -hmm. where and it's based on the idea that 98 percent of your thoughts your feelings your emotions your judgments your sense of yuck stuck and what the f <laughs> are are actually things you pick up from other people Wow. And if our wonderful pandemic lockdown showed us anything, yeah. it was that we have an ability to pick up on a lot of stuff from a lot of people and buy it as ours because mm -hmm. nobody's ever told us this there. And, and so it's like, if you've ever been in a relationship and you knew you needed to call your partner, but you didn't know why, and you call them, they're like, Oh my God, thank God. I was thinking about you. Blah, 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 blah. And you're like, Oh, whoa, I'm psychic. Okay, cool. You know, but we do that with everybody all the time. We just don't recognize it. Mm -hmm. And and to such a degree that most of our formation of what we consider the foundation of our reality mm. is actually what we picked up energetically from how mom and dad were being mm. before the age of two. Mm. And so if, if you could just think about your mom and dad for a moment without, you know, or throwing up or whatever, you know, whatever your response is, you just think about your mom and dad for a moment and, and look at how many stuck places they have. And why? Well, they're not wrong. And this is what we've also got to get. This is not, none of this is about judgment. We have a definition of consciousness and access consciousness, which is where everything exists and nothing is judged. So none of this is about judgment. It's about the observation that will set us free. And that's, that's where we want to look from always. What awareness can I have that will set me free to have more choice, to be more of me? And if you look and ask what percentage of who, what, where, when, why, and how I am, mm -hmm. did I buy from my mother before the age of two? And you go, whoa, because you get aware of whatever that is energetically. Mm -hmm. And then you ask the same thing about your father. And then we have a way of changing it called a clearing statement. And um, I suggest everybody use it. It's just POC and POD, P-O-C and P-O-D is the short form. And it stands for going back to the point of creation or wherever you made this choice and aligned and agreed with that, that has now become your reality that you don't even 
cognitively remember when you did it, but it's making the choice now to be something different that allows you to change it. And we have a website, it's free. Um, it's called theclearingstatement.com. And the reason I give that out is so people can have access to this tool because it's a way of changing these fixed points of view, these underlying bases that are limiting our reality that we can't even tap into, you know, you, and, and, and it changes it really quickly. And I was doing an interview um, on the radio in Mexico and I brought this up and told the lady, she went, of course, quantum physics. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks for the explanation of what I've been doing for the last 23 years, you know? Yeah. But it's making a different choice and taking yourself out of vibrating like that thing. Yeah. But the reason I bring that up is because in looking at where we will resist going or where we will not go, so much of that is what we learn from mom and dad about where one should not go, mm. simply because that was where they would not and could not and should not go. Mm. And here we are, you know, they were mommy and daddy, we were around them nonstop energetically for the formative years of our life before we could even talk. Mm. And so all of this is pre-verbal, or at least a huge amount of it. And also a huge amount of it is pre-cognitive, but mm. we can change it. Which is the supposition, isn't it? it on, on which all things are built. Because if it's, it can't be changed. Well, it's like I'm the uh, victim of my circumstances. Um, that ninety-eight percent stat is is fascinating, and it, they therefore kind of as I'm thinking as you're speaking is like, well, how do I work out who I am? Like, if I am carrying nah. so much of all, all the what society and those in my circle say about me and their expectations of me, it's just like. So much of our adulthood is about unlearning who we thought we were supposed yes. to be to then take up who we're meant to be. And you know this far greater than I because you've wrote books on it. But someone out there that's you know finally hearing this message loud and clear right in their heart and their mind today, like, where do they start? Like, where's the first place they go to discover the magnificence of who they are? Love that question. And I have so many answers. <laughs> the first is to start something that might help us is, is write down a list of resources or, and start using them like things that make me feel like me. Mm. And of course, then the question is, well, what is me? Well, mm. you have a sense of you when, when you have a sense of lightness, a sense of enthusiasm for being alive, a sense that nothing is wrong, everything's cool. And a sense that you actually like the person looking back at you in the mirror. Well, that's you. So think of one time when you've had that in your life, what was going on? What were you doing? You know, and some people are like, oh, I was on the top of a mountain. I, I got the physical and I was there with the beauty and there were no people around. Oh, there you go. Okay, so that's an acknowledgement of the energy of that. But also the acknowledgement, most of the times that most of us can remember or recall this sense of being us hmm. is when there weren't many people around. Hmm. Why? Because we're constantly picking up people's hmm. points of view about the nature of reality without even realizing it. And so uh, there's more on that. But if you can start a list of, I feel like me when, or this makes me feel like me, like, you know, particular music that you like that just livens you up, you know, you just want to get up and dance like that. Or maybe the peace when you go out in nature, or when you've had a great healing session or something, or, you know, in this case, meditation, prayer, whatever it happens to be. We have this thing called bars, which was the session that I had. And for me, that's one of the things I'm like, oh, when I'm getting my bars run, oh, and you you get up like a walking, talking meditation. I'm like, yep, that's definitely one of those things. And what you want to do is start writing this down, literally write it down, put it on your phone, however you choose to write. There's this thing called paper that we used to use back when I was a kid that <laughs> I don't see very much of it anymore, you know, but that and and the more that you're willing to engage and interact with anything that creates that sense, the more that will start to occur. So that's one element. The other one is to use this tool. Who does this belong to? Is it mine? We even have a free app for it. It's called Access Consciousness. Who does this belong to? Mm. And what it does is remind you because the if you want to break the machine that makes you think that all these things you're aware of are yours. You want to ask, who does this belong to, to every thought, feeling, and emotion 
every fixed point of view you have for three days. Mm-hmm. And the way it works is because what most of us do, you know, we'll be, we'll be having a happy day, you know, and we're driving to work or in this case, walking to the zoom, you know, <laughs> going to work. And all of a sudden we go from happy to crappy, yeah. whether it's like sadness or stress about money or, Oh, my body or, Oh, this hurts or whatever. It's like, wait, what happened? Yeah. Well, a huge amount of the time you're picking up on that energetic wavelength that somebody else is broadcasting. And if you go, who does this belong to? If whatever you just had that was heavy lightens up at all, it's not yours. And all you got to do is return to sender with consciousness attached. And so if you'll do this over three days, what happens is at the end of three days, you walk around like you're in a walking, talking meditation. Because you finally, after three days of doing this, you break the machine that makes you think that all of these things you're aware of in the world and with the people you care about and with the people you don't even know are yours. And so that's two. That's point number two. Third one is start asking questions rather than functioning from conclusion and judgment. And certain questions, because a question always takes things and expands them. You know, it makes them go, whew, a conclusion. Whenever you come to a conclusion or a decision or a judgment, you solidify that reality as yours. And now you function from it. Like if you, let's say you bought from mom and dad, money is a struggle. Okay, so you have this point of view as the foundation of things. So now what happens is you live your life and your point of view creates your reality. Reality doesn't create your point of view. It's your point of view about it that determines how it shows up. So now money shows up as a struggle and you go, see, I knew I was right. Money is a struggle. Well, was that point of view yours or was that something you bought a long time ago? And so one of the ways out of these things is letting go of what's not ours by becoming aware of it and asking a question, but then asking questions about everything, like what else is possible I've never considered? Mm-hmm. How does it get any better than this whenever something good or bad happens? Yeah. What's right about me I'm not getting? What's right about this situation I'm not getting? And what you do is you start to self-correct or, or uh, self-undestroy, I guess, in that you start to actually look for the possibilities rather than stay stuck with the problem. And as you do that, you start to get a sense of you as somebody who's engaging in your life and actually starting to create your life from your choice, no longer suffering as though you're on the bullet train from the past that's filled with garbage you know Mm. Mm. i love the question that you asked if i know not this what else is possible that yeah and and i think that kind of speaks into that kind of just be willing to suspend judgment just be willing to suspend the anti-belief or the you know the active disbelief because um if if we can just create that little bit of separation from the from the definitely not oh, maybe yeah. might what's possible let me just entertain in it. it's like um i think david hawkins in his book power versus force says um light cannot enter a closed box and i guess that's why jesus said about you know there's only a handle on the inside only uh only we can open it to let the light in uh, and, and um you know there has to be a willful uh well, all the all life will put us in circumstances which will uh, crack our open, I guess. But um, such is the irony of of our past. But um, I I would love to know. I mean, for me, I've I've got a word here always, but yesterday it's called heartprint, and it's about the legacy, the ripple effect of all our heart centered interactions with people. It absolutely speaks to the possibilities that we create for other people. I just love to know, like what is it that gets your heart and your mind around this word possibility? I I know that you use it a lot. I know that it fires you up. Like what inspires you about the word possibility? Because it, it means we're not stuck with anything Mm. and everything has the possibility, if I may say of getting greater. Mm. And so, and it's also not a fixed, Oh, because possibility and definition don't go together. You can't define a possibility. You can only head toward and experience it. And the interesting part is if we're not defining it, the possibilities of what we can have presented to us can show up way greater than we can imagine. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, right. And that's the fun part too, yeah. because for me, and it's like, I, I get bored really easily. If I'm not, if I'm not changing and getting greater all the time, I'm like, come on, man, what, let's go. But, but not from that place of, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a personal growth sort of guy. So this is what I do. Not from not being present, but from the acknowledgement of if I'm an infinite being with infinite resources, there's so much more available. I'm barely getting started. And, and that's what makes the journey fun. You know, and that was the, that was the sense I got 23 years ago that when I had that first access consciousness bar session where everything in my life looked like it was turned inward and just compressing and this took it and went, and I was like, dude, I always knew it should be possible. Here it is. Which, yeah, yeah. Again, my favorite word possibilities. Yeah. Well, and I love that this idea of possibility because you know Sadhguru says about uh, the word um, pursuing. You know that ha uh, that America will never be the happiest country on the planet because they're in the pursuit of happiness. And the first thing pursuing anything has to do is first reveal its absence. And and uh, and I so I really love this idea of actually just allowing the universe consciousness to make space for whatever is possible. You know, leaving space for miracles um that that transcend our own kind of logic and reasoning because i think so much of our desires are a projection of a of a heart that feels like it's lacking in some way that it's inadequate that in some way the desire is to fill something that we think isn't even there to begin with so true so very true and and that as you spoke about the one of the other elements i want to address about what you said at the beginning about the seeking it's an interesting thing that so many people on a journey of whatever you, whatever realm you want to put it in, let's say personal development, spiritual growth, uh, whatever is they're so used to seeking while never finding. <laughs> and so it's, it is that that you're speaking about. And then if you take it out of that realm to the, the quote unquote materialism or, what have you once again seeking to fulfill a need yeah. but the whole thing is to recognize you are already fulfilled right now mm -hmm. like and now from there how does it get any better than this and what else is possible and that in lies the gift right that that the gift is there and and it's called a gift because we're supposed to give it away that and be it. And here's the interesting thing about the gift is, is us being it mm. creates a simultaneity of gifting and receiving. Mm. We live in a world that believes in give and take. And most people give so they can take later or give so they can be acknowledged for giving so they can get something later. Once again, fulfilling that need. Or like but, me, just give, 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 give and don't learn. <laughs> and yeah, that, that, learn. <laughs> yeah, that's the other one. See, that's the way a lot of us are wired. I, I, I only give I because we don't want to be a taker. Yeah. But what's interesting is if you've ever gifted to someone a smile, your time, energy, a hug, a gift, whatever, and they fully receive it, mm. that's a gift back to us. Mm -hmm. And so there's this being made greater in that interaction that is so beautiful mm. and and it's available to us if we just once again change our perspective if we just change our point of view because a lot of people in the world go around avoiding people taking from them because so many people are out to take but i'm gonna point back to uh, a brother of both of ours jesus what did he do he's like i gotta have whatever you want you know, I got plenty. You know, I would say I would say that brother was the embodiment of as close mm -hmm. to embodying as an infinite being as we've probably seen. Yeah, yeah. And and for me though, most people take what Jesus was and and cuz you can have a sense, you know, whether you're religious or not, doesn't matter your religion, we can tap into and get a sense of anybody throughout history and, and the mm -hmm. how they were showing up, what they were being, right? And as I do that with him, I like he's just there as infinite gifting, but also totally filled up with infinite receiving mm. with absolutely no point of view about 
whether the gift is received because he knows that being the gift is the gift and somebody else's willingness to receive it is their thing. And can I tell you a little story, which you would understand that, that most would not. When I was, um, when I was a kid, I went to a church camp because my stepmother made my dad and I go to church, which was so much fun. No, um, not really. And what was interesting was we go to this church camp and I wasn't a huge fan of church because there was so much judgment there. So many people were judging we're right and everybody else is wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I didn't get that then, right? And still don't. And, um, but they said at this one day, they said, if you would like to, you can take your Bible and go out in the woods and invite Jesus into your heart to forgive your sins. And I was like, that kind of made sense because I felt wrong a lot of my life. So I'm like, I must be a sinner. Maybe that's why I'm wrong. Okay, I'm gonna do this. And um, even though I didn't believe it, quote unquote, right? And um, I go out in the woods, I put my back up against this big old tree, I pull my shirt up. And I have my Bible in my hand and that I had not read. And uh, I was like, Jesus, um, I don't know if you're real. Quite frankly, I kind of doubt it because I see what people are doing yeah. in your name. But if you are, can we do this thing, please? Will you come into my heart and forgive my sins? And I'm thinking nothing is going to happen, right? Well, within about 30 seconds, there is this that... I have no words for that was <laughs> I just and so so fucking beautiful mm -hmm. like so incredibly beautiful mm -hmm. and I was transformed <laughs> and it was interesting because it wasn't an experience you know my stepmother who hated me <laughs> was very mean um, she's like, how was it? How was it? What'd you do? Did you do it? Did you do it? And I was like, it was good, you know, <laughs> but for the next two years, everything that occurred, everything, everything that was an upset in my family or anything else. And there was a lot of upset in my family. They were specialists at it. Really. I was like, give it up to Jesus, mm. give it up to Jesus with everything. And it was interesting because I had that peace for two years there was one time where I was where I was walking to the store and I'd saved up my money and I had 10 bucks. And at that time, 10 bucks, you could buy half the store, you know? And so I was so excited. I was going to get candy. I was going to get magazine. I can get this little plastic gun. I was going to, you know, all these things. Right. And I'm walking around the corner on my way to the store. And there's a homeless guy there. He's like, man, I'm starving. You got any money? And I was like, um, and I, in my head, I was like, what would Jesus do? I'm like, here you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I give him, I give him the money. He's like, dude, this is, you know, bless you. Bless you. I was like, thank you. Okay. So I'm like, well, uh, I guess I'm going back home. So I start walking back home. I go around the corner that I just walked around. There was $10, literally a $10 bill on the friggin' sidewalk. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. And I, <laughs> you know? It's powerful, and, isn't it? And do you know what? Like, and and uh, you're right. Many people are those with that with they, they don't have ears, so they can't hear. But but I, but I get it. And it and it's surrendering to that. And 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 the more and more I speak to people who've done things in that name, or even just the general name of, of God, it's just like funny things happen. Funny things yep. happen, and I think it's the residue. I think it's the it's the the fruits of our spirit and the the little miracles that far transcend our understanding. The more and more I speak to people, the more and more it reveals its nature, and and I and I for me after I had my heart experience, um, I I could see the beauty of creation of the divine in everything. I was having these little moments with birds, like it was bizarre. Like people that knew me beforehand, that they'll be if they listen to me now, they'll be like, "Who is this guy?" Like I didn't always have the long hair, like, and and even just recently, my wife and I we took the family to a, a festival, church festival. We saw Hillsong United. And they, they have this one song called So Will I. And it's the, there's this lyric that says, if all of creation reveals your nature, then so will I. And it and it really reminded me as I was doing my research is your symphony of possibility, that all of creation, all of universe, like I think universe means one song, which just shows that the whole of creation is singing this one song. And, and, and in your work of symphony of possibility, you encourage everybody to be the unique player the unique player of their song what does that mean oh 
you described it beautifully. We each are part of the symphony that is the universe. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, you know, if I look at some of the things you're speaking about and, and some of the other conversations that I have with people where, where people will say, oh, I can do this because of, like, in my case, when I was a kid, Jesus, for example. Well, that was my permission to be me. Like, thanks, Jesus, for the inspiration. You know what I mean? And and thanks for the permission to be me, because it's about us being us. And whether you think we were created by God or not or whatever, doesn't matter. If God created us, he created us to be the fullest expression of us, Yeah. not to make ourselves less. So, but for me, this symphony of possibility, see, what happened was, I, here I was, you know, I was a chiropractor, got to the place where I wanted to end my life, had an access consciousness session, totally transformed that point of view. And it was interesting because after that session was the one, the awareness that I had, I was like, after a few years, I realized, oh my goodness, this is a similar thing to what I had when I was up against the tree and for the next two years. Um, and I let it go after two years because I did something that I judged very dynamically, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. So um, most people live in a place of, of where they're not recognizing that they are this gift. And so what the symphony of possibilities is, is I had done, um, I met the founder of Access Consciousness after having my sense of reality just continue to expand. And he came to my office for a chiropractic session and said, look, ask my body what it wants, follow the energy, you'll know what to do. Don't keep it in the box of chiropractic. There was an energy that came through that was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it, it had this sense of being transformative somehow, except it was just energy. It was like all the, all the universes that had played around in my head my whole life I finally had something to do with them. It was like they connected and they started showing me that I could just be. And, and this is the weird part. How do you describe to somebody? What I did was I just was being with him and he's flopping on the table like a fish and I'm just like this, right? What are you doing? Uh, I don't know, but there's a lot of stuff in the universe I'm tapping into. It's fucking awesome. You should check it out. You know what I mean? It's like, no way to explain it. So what the symphony of possibilities is, is after doing thousands of those sessions and, and, and it became about how can I contribute to other people, their awareness of the gift they are in this universe and that they're part of this symphony that the universe is, and that they just by being can open up to how they can contribute to people in their bodies in easing pain in creating more space in creating change in all kinds of areas by tapping into what the universe already is and is showing us that that we can be in essence a conduit for yeah i love that i love that one of the things that the world is doing at the moment is they're really confusing what it means to be a man um oh. there there are some real funny things going on in the world what it means to be a man and, and what it means to be a woman to be fair but I, I i i'd love to specifically focus on what it means to be a man uh, here at always been yesterday i i've um, started running a man a men's group it's called akira it's a council for men who want to walk the path of wisdom and we've been running it for about three months so it's really junior it's really evolving and, and it's growing and it's beautiful um and we're journeying in this idea of what does it mean to be a good man what does it mean to be a gentleman and and i know that you wrote a book on that topic a couple of years back and and I'd just love to know what is the greatest thing that the men in my group can can do to become good good men. Number one, get over everybody's judgment about what it means to be a man. Mm. And because as you're saying, men are having a tough time right now. But right. but here's the interesting part is, and I'm not a big fan of categorizing anything or anyone. Okay, but. About 50% of the population, once again, is, is the type of man that, that is the sort of typical person, the people that would perpetrate what occurred during the Me Too movement on others, okay? Mm -hmm. Then the other 50%, and by the way, those are very rough numbers. Please don't think I actually believe these numbers are accurate, okay? I'm just trying to give some perspective. So let's say the other 50% of men are more outraged than the women 
about all of this stuff that went on, let's just call it the Me Too, you know, what started the Me Too movement, because not only would we never do that, but it's being done in our name. Mm. And then it's also being used as though this is somehow about men and women. No, this isn't. This is about abusers. Mm. That's what this is about people being abusive, period. You know, one of the experiences I had when I was a boy was for several years of my young life, I was abused harshly by women. Mm. And to the point where they were beating my little naked body with belts, that's mm. what I received. Mm. And so when women tell me that men are abusive, I'm like, <laughs> nah, -uh. people that are abusive, people are abusive. This is not about men and women. This is about people. And we need to recognize it because we are men. Number one, we are not wrong. Although there is that old philosophical question, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is around, is the man still wrong? And I think <laughs> the answer for years has been yes. So I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> but it's like, but recognize if you're a man who actually, to be a true gentleman, you realize that you can enjoy women, you can empower women, you can enjoy having sex with women and still empower women, and you can still empower men. And it becomes far less about the gender, and it becomes far more about the being in front of you that you can contribute to. Mm -hmm. And so recognizing also one of the other elements of this, because you brought it, you know, specifically to the men's group that you're doing. And by the way, thank you so much for doing this. It's such a gift. Um, we, we gentlemen truly need some resources, you know, which is why I wrote the book. But it's like the recognition that because they are sensitive, because they are aware, because they are caring, this actually makes them, gives them the capacity to be a truly great man. And mm -hmm. most of the men that are wired that way, that were wired that way from the time they were little, it's like people, uh, they never felt like men mm -hmm. because they weren't the, you know, fathers would be like, come on, let's go play sports. Let's go mm -hmm. kill some shit, you know, whatever. And, yeah. and a lot of these guys are like, no, I want to um, cuddle and I want to do nice things, you know, but, and that's also, and I don't mean that as a stereotype either. I mean, yeah. we're everything. And we've been made wrong for the sensitive parts of us. That is not a wrongness. That is a strongness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, um, I just feel that there is a, uh, a huge desire for men to go out in the world and gain worldly advancement, leadership, position, status, and hierarchy. And, and the world will get the best of these men and the family will get the rest of them. You know, that was true mm. of me in my early career. And, you know, it's not until I had my my children I thought, actually, do you know what? I'm not. I need to. I talk about leadership. I need to step up and lead in my home, like you know. And and that requires a couple of things. That requires me to even figure out who I am, and so I can be the most authentic expression of us. Like, what does it mean? You know, our family unit. Like, who do we want to be in this world? And and along with that comes the accountability that my children keep me to. <laughs> when, I, <laughs> uh -huh. when, I, when I talk about heart centered leadership and we're heartlies and we're kind. But, um, you know, I, I think that this is the thing that, you know, even if it is for, for men, I just call them into this active leadership role. This act, don't, don't be passive when it comes to the most important people in your life. Like, pour into them. Like, th th these are your living legacy. That's beautiful. And that, that, that one shift in perspective, because one of the other things that we, in today's world especially, well, in so many ways, not just as gentlemen in the world, but it's it's as though we're encouraged to take a sideline perspective on everything. Like, don't engage too much, don't interact too much, just sort of let your life go on autopilot. And, you know, as though as though personal interaction on that level is, we, we don't even know what it is. We just know that it's kind of discouraged, you know? Yeah. And you talking about taking that active leadership role in the family, it, it, it's an acknowledgement of what's actually true for us. And, and going back to what's true for us makes us lighter. 
And what we've got to do is we've got to choose to be those things in order to have that lightness show up in our lives. And we're fully capable of it if we will acknowledge it. And, and also so many of the, um, so many of the gentlemen I work with and my sense is also so many of the gentlemen you work with are as they do start to quote unquote, step up more, get more present in these areas, they find out that they have a strength and a contribution that they never recognized. And it carries over into the rest of their lives and their families' lives. Yeah. Or they transform one of their shadows and their scars into one of mm. their like superpowers. And, you know, one of my favorite scriptures comes from the the thorns in the flesh where it's a different translation that just simply, I think the well-known trans, uh, translation is that, you know, in your weakness, you're made strong. But in the passion translation, it says in your weakness, you will find the fullest expression of God. Mm. In the in your weakness, you will find my fullest expression, and I just think, wow, like what a gift that is. Through the cracks and through the pain, allows us to shine forth the greatest attributes that only really are able to be manifest because we have experienced, you know, I guess the uh, polarity or, or the the contrast of that. That brilliantly. We, we have a saying in access, what if everything you thought was a wrongness of you is actually a strongness of you? There we go. And isn't it interesting? One of the things I've seen is, is this reality seems to wire things in such a way as to get us to avoid our natural strength um, in that we're supposed to... So, for example, if you've experienced abuse and you've stopped the cycle and aren't perpetrating it and are looking for something different, that's not because you're weak, it's because you're strong. Right. And exactly as you're saying, and we need to recognize that these things that we have experienced that that can be characterized as because of weakness, what if it wasn't? What if it's something what if everything is the opposite of what it appears to be and nothing is the opposite of what it appears to be like turn that 180 degrees and the willingness to have that perspective what if that really shows us us Mm. and then asking what are the infinite possibilities now available to me yeah set that on fire yeah right yeah Um, I, I could talk to you all day, my friend, and um, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I want to be super respectful of your time. I want to circle back to that word heartprint. You know, the way the interpretation I use it is effectively is is if I could look back and listen to the symphony of my possibilities I've created, is if I could yeah. hear that song, if I could hear the different vibration of, of every interaction that I've ever had with a human being and then the every interaction that that human being has had on someone else that is otherwise more loving, kind, compassionate than otherwise it might have been. Dane, I'd love for you to to reflect on what you think your heartbreak might be. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Having just gone on the journey as you were speaking about that. Um, this is interesting because uh, talking about myself in that way is a bit challenging, to be honest with you. And so I will try to actually put words. Um, I would hope that my heart print has been to so many things, but mm-hmm. so many things I desire that to be, which is to have empowered people to know that no matter what they've experienced and what they've chosen, they are not wrong. To know that they are greater than they can fathom and greater than they've ever imagined to know that they actually have the capacity to live as that and they don't have to settle for anything less and to know that they are a gift and a contribution to this world and this universe and every single one of us. Beautiful. My my brother, thank you for going now. I really greatly appreciate that and uh, be honored if you'd leave us 
a final thought from your good self? No matter what you've experienced in this life, please know that everything you've ever desired, everything you've ever dreamed of is actually possible. You are fully capable of creating it. All you got to do is ask and be willing to receive and be willing to recognize the gift of you and your difference in this world. And you got this. And lastly, never give up, never give in, and never quit. And you will have far greater than you ever imagined possible. Dr. Dane, appreciate you, brother. You also, Ryan. Thank you so much. Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you. Keep leading, my friends. Always love.